So we're doing the study on, on the cross and the life of the believer. And I want us to read Philippians 3, uh, 3 through 7. Philippians 3, 3 through 7. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath up, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Now we're very familiar with that passage and, and really a lot more in Philippians 3.10. But one of the things that Paul is saying when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to ministry, when it comes to being righteous, when it comes to walking with God, knowing God, serving God, receiving revelations from God, he says we have no confidence in the flesh. There's no confidence. I'm not placing any confidence. If anybody could, he says I could more. So if you want to stand up and say your daddy was this high priest or, or whatever you're going to say and you came straight from David's lineage or, or Moses' lineage or Abraham's whatever, he says, I, I could do that same thing and probably more. And he could. He says, but I'm not putting any confidence in those things. He says, my confidence is going to be in Christ and those things which were gained to me before I knew Jesus Christ, before my eyes were open, before I realized this, the deadness of life of sin, that a religious dead life of sin that I was in, I count all of that and all of my accomplishments in that life and in that realm, I count it as, as loss for Christ. He actually goes on to say, I count it as dumb. We know the passage. But the point that I wanted to make here for this for our study tonight on the cross is that there's there's to be no confidence in the flesh. So two weeks ago was the last time we met on Wednesday and we were talking about the cross and methods, the cross and organizations when it comes to ministry. Remember that with so many times you can be organized to death. You can be committed. I know it's not a verb, but you can be committed to death. Churches can be bound up in and ways and methods and there's nothing wrong necessarily with a method or a way there's nothing wrong with organization uh, the Lord is a God of order not disorder amen and I think our churches are to be orderly but the order has to be biblical and the order has to be of the Holy Ghost because God can change things when he desires to he's not going to change the gospel or something like that but he can change um, he can change methods and meetings and committees and organizations and structures anytime he wants. Christ is still the foundation. So understand if we say, well, we've always done it this way in our church or we've always done it this way. Well, if God, what if God wants to do it a different way? Or what if that's not what he's doing right now? We, we want to be sensitive to be led by the Spirit. Again, I'm not saying be disorderly. I'm saying our order being of the Lord. The confidence can't be in the flesh. The confidence can't be, well, my father did it this way. My grandfather did it this way. My great grandfather did it this way. But God may be saying, I want you to do this. And, and it's still bringing the gospel or whatever it may be. 
uh, we need to be led by the Spirit and not place confidence in methods. I guess that's what I'm saying. The method within the church structure or within the church as a whole or in any particular church, the method is not going to be the power. The power is not going to be in the method. The power is going to be in the Holy Spirit. The power is going to be in the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's all I'm saying. And that's all we're stressing. So the cross comes in in the life of the believer to say, you know what? Maybe, maybe we haven't. But maybe we have. Or anybody has. I've been trusting in my organizations. I've been trusting in my committees. I've been trusting in my uh, financial backing, you know, as a missionary, or I've been trusting in those things rather than trusting in the Lord. And it was subtle and maybe we didn't, we didn't realize that that's what we were doing. We were relying upon a method that we did in the prisons 10 years ago or, or in the nursing home last year or something like that. We we're relying on something and thinking, no, 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 it's got to be exactly like this. You know, even for the Bible study part of it, you know what I do? I go in there, I got my uh, my Bible. I don't sit, I stand up. I like to stand up and walk around and talk to them and look at them because they're basically in a circle around me. And and I got a big old tub of cookies, homemade cookies that my mom makes. Maybe that's why they come, but they're going to come and they're going to hear the gospel. So uh, they devour those, those cookies. But... What if one time I didn't do cookies? You know what I mean? It, 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 I can't trust in, in the method. It has to be, God, what do you want me to say to these young boys today, these young men today about you? And uh, we just have to trust in the Lord. Our confidence cannot be in the flesh. And again, we're not opposed to organization, but it has to be the Lord. Okay? Um, before we can bring the cross to this is more to tonight's study is more from the point of view of the minister, not the minister necessarily being a pastor, but the minister, the one preaching, teaching, going to the nursing home, sharing the gospel with people on the street, sharing the gospel with your neighbors and friends. The point of view, the minister, we can never bring the cross to bear on our hearers. Oh, you're so worldly. You're bound up in the world. You, you come out of the world until we brought it to bear on ourselves. We can't be hypocritical. We have to be legit, so to speak. We have to be legit. When we go into prisons, when we go into the nursing homes, we go out in the streets, when we go to Parkview, when you're sharing the gospel with somebody that's an acquaintance of yours that you've known for a long time, we have to, not that we have to be perfect, Okay, in the sense of sinless perfection, perfect in the sense of not being a hypocrite, perfect in the sense of being, I'm not putting something on you that is not put upon my life. I'm not preaching something to you that I don't preach and pray for myself a thousand times a day already. Okay, I'm not putting on something, something on you while I myself indulge in something in the world and I know I'm indulging in it. I'm talking something worldly in the sense of sinful, okay? And so the cross has to be brought to bear upon our life. We have to be delivered from all confidence in the flesh. And there's one minister that's quoted in this book. He says, we suffer so much, but so seldom 
do we suffer with Christ? He says, we've done so much, but so little will remain. And I thought that's it's pretty sad if, if that's the case. We're suffering, you know, we're, we're going through life, life's hard, many of the afflictions of the righteous and so forth, and we're just down, we're always suffering, suffering. But how often is that suffering with Christ? The Lord says, take my yoke and learn of me, right? That suffering has to be with Christ. Paul says in that chapter that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. There's a fellowship there. So it's not just that we go through life as Christians and we're beat down by a world that doesn't know the Lord. Are we suffering with Christ? Is there a fellowship and a communion with the Lord? I've taken up our cross and there's persecution there or affliction that comes as a result of that. Then we're to rejoice in that. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before us. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. We suffer a lot, but do we suffer with the Lord? In, in His identifying with Christ is all I'm saying. And ha- that has to do with the cross. We're different from the world. We're not just different for any old difference. We're different because we're separated unto God. Our life is holy. Not that we're holier than now. We're holy unto the Lord. We're given fully to God. We're following after the Lord. This is where the cross, I remember, I don't know if I've said it before, that the blood of Jesus deals with our sin, doesn't it? Isn't that what the Bible said? If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. But the cross deals with the flesh. The blood deals with our sin and washes us clean. The cross deals with our daily living in the world. Are we going to be carnal? Are we going to be carnal in the world? Are we dying to ourselves by the working of the Holy Ghost and bringing the cross to bear? Denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following the Lord. When we sin, we turn to the Lord. We're forgiven. We're washed in His blood. But what's going to really deal with that worldliness in my life as a believer is going to be the cross and identifying with cross Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? And so, that cross has to be brought. The same minister goes on to say, we have known Christ in part, and yet we've effectively shut up our hearts against His love a lot of times. And again, I think a lot of this has to do with we just get plugged in, we're doing our thing. You know, on Wednesdays at 7, we have church, and we just do our thing, but are, are we... Are we doing it in, in life? Are we doing it in faith? Whatever's not of faith is sin. Did you come here tonight? Did I come here tonight? Expecting God to meet with me. Expecting God to pour out His Spirit. Expecting God to reveal something to me. Or to just come up, because I'm a Christian, I'm a good Christian, and I go to church on Wednesdays when most people don't. When we come, we need to lay hold on the Lord. We don't want to shut up our hearts against what he's wanting to do just because we're so kind of used to it all and numb to it all. It needs to be fresh and new to us all the time. Amen. And so there's a lot of times that as Christians, we fret and we worry. But if we go to the cross and die to ourselves, I believe the Lord would lift so much of this off of our lives. Amen. And it's like King Saul. You know, 
first king of Israel was Saul. When he was little in his own eyes, the Lord said, I made you king over my people Israel. And he really was initially humble. God put his spirit upon him. He prophesied with the prophets. Everything was really good at the beginning. But he got lifted up. And, and then when he began to get lifted up, he began to sin. And the Lord was not precious to him anymore. The Lord wasn't valuable, so to speak, to him anymore. What was valuable to King Saul was his kingdom. I got to keep my kingdom. I got to keep my kingdom. I got to hang on to it. And ministers can be that way. Pastors can be that way. I've got to keep. Oh, I got to keep my little, my little organization, my little church structure, my people, everything. I got to keep it. I got to keep it. Just give it. Go to the Lord. Give it to God. God knows how to keep His people. Preach the word. Right. Preach the truth. Be a good shepherd. Be holy myself. You be holy and separated unto God. God's going to keep us. God's going to protect us. He's going to keep us where we need to be. And a lot of things we fret and worry over trying to keep my little kingdom. Okay. God would say, just give that to me. Put that in my hands. Put that church in my hands. You know, put your family in my hands. Put your children in my hands. You're fretting over them. You're fretting over them. I know how to keep them. You live for me. You live for me and you live for me before your children or whoever it is that, that we're trying to keep. We need to go to the cross. All the energy of the flesh, y'all, if it's just the energy of the flesh and not by faith and not the working of the Lord, it's going to wear you out. If you're just trying to serve God because it's the right thing to do and there's no real heart for it, it's not empowered by the Holy Spirit and you're just trying to walk in this Bible right here like that, you're going to be miserable. You won't last long like that. We need to be at the altar being filled. Give me oil in my lamp to keep me burning. Amen? Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. We need to be filled with the Spirit. It is not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. He knows what we have need of. Jesus said in Matthew 6, before we ask Him, but we need to ask Him. He wants us to ask Him. Ask and you'll receive. We need to seek Him. Not every now and then. We need to be calling upon the Lord. We need to be living on our faces before God. And then get up and walk in the power for that day. Give me this day my daily bread. Jesus is the bread of life. Feed me today. I need to walk in that today. I need to walk in the power of your spirit today. If we're just trying to coast on last Sundays or whatever, something that happened at a revival six years ago, or at a, a ladies' retreat or a men's retreat, whatever, when we were really touched, praise God. He really touched you at some point. Hallelujah. But we need to be feasting on the Lord daily because we're going to burn out. I'm not saying we're not saved. We're going to burn out. We're going to fret. We're going to be miserable. We're going to say, I'm burnt out. I need to step back from teaching Sunday school for a while. I tell you what, you're filled up with the Holy Ghost and loving Jesus. You're never going to feel like you need to step back. You said, I got five Sunday school lessons to teach this Sunday. I just pulled my mic off. I got five Sunday school lessons to teach this Sunday. I'm, I'm ready to roll because God is fresh and new, and, and that's the way He wants it to be. It's the way He wants it to be for me. Okay, and I prayed and I keep talking about this, but it's just real to me and I appreciate y'all bearing with me. But like with the Bible study, I didn't want to do it just to do it. I'd done it 10 years, had a one year hiatus because of COVID last year at Parkview. And I started back this year, but I wanted I wanted to say, God, it's got to be like new and fresh. 
not just, oh, it's my 11th year of doing it. This is what I do. This is my thing on Wednesdays. I want God to bless it. I want Him to breathe His life into it. I want Him to see more fruit this year than I've ever seen. I'll tell you what I'm praying for these boys. I'm praying that if they don't, if they're not truly born again, that they'd be born again. I'm praying their families would be saved. I'm praying once they're born again, or if they're, or if they're already born again, that they would be discipled and get serious about walking with Jesus. I'm praying that some of the older ones that can drive, they don't have a church, would come to church here. That's what I'm praying. Y'all join me in prayer with that. But I want to believe God for these things. And, and I want Him to make it fresh to me and, and living and powerful to me. So i got to die to myself. You and I need to live at the altars and live in prayer and live filled with the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. That, that word in, in Ephesians, I know you know the verse, where there's a lot of like Ephesians 5, you know, uh, where it's just a lot of little short instructions, rise from the dead and so forth, and, and don't let the sun go down in your wrath. And it says, be filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That word filled is not just the initial baptism the day you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Ghost, that is, the word there is a continual filling. Continual filling. It's flowing waters. It's living waters. And those can dry up it's when we're pouring out in ministry or pouring out in prayer or pouring out witnessing or pouring out teaching our children the things of God and, and serving the Lord. We need to be filled again. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. We come back to the Lord. And, and out of our belly flows rivers of living water. And, and Jesus said He'll we'll never run dry. He'll keep filling us with His Spirit. And so we have to be careful. I'm kind of back and forth about this, but the methods, the cross and methods, we have to be careful not to just build our ministry, our kingdom. Uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm a pastor or, or you're ministering, and you have a Bible study before work on Tuesday mornings or whatever. My little thing is it needs to be the Lord's. It needs to all be the Lord's. And we need God. We need to be at the altars for one reason is so that God can examine our hearts to see are your motives pure? Are your motives pure? Are my motives pure as a pastor? Am I pastoring because, I, you know what I mean? At that moment, and preaching and teaching because it's what God's saying and doing and it, the calling of God upon my life. Same for you. We, our motives have to be pure and the cross brings to bear. You know, Randy, you're starting to get lifted up in yourself. Okay? Whatever it may be. You know, Gary, you're starting to get a little reliant on your own. You've done this for so long. You're... you're starting to rely upon yourself. Whatever it may be, and we need to, when we're in prayer before the Lord, He shows us those things. And we're able to say, God, forgive me. I don't want to go any further. I want to stop right here. I'll never preach again if you don't want me to, but I'm not going to go any further like this. Please help me. He's going to help you. He's going to help me. He's going to deal with us. And so again, this is where the cross comes into play. And we need to trust God. And when we're dying to ourselves and we think I'm gonna I'll be so different than the rest of the ministers. I'll, everybody else does it this way, and I'm gonna do it this way because God showed me. The Lord's just saying, Cheer up. I'm gonna be with you. 
If this is what I've called you to do and it's different than the way these five pastors or 50 pastors are doing it, or this is the way we're going to do nursing home and everybody, other, other, other church does the nursing home this way. If He's leading us, He's just saying, we have to die not only to the world and what the world thinks of us, sometimes we have to die to what other Christians think of us. And it's not saying that they're not Christians, but sometimes we have to die to just the norm, what just seems to be so, hey, this is the way it's always done. I don't really know why, but we've always done it this way. Sometimes we need to die to that. The Lord's saying, cheer up, I'm going to be with you. And, and God's going to, He's going to help us, amen. He's going to strengthen us for those things. One minister said, better, a thousand times better to be effective and be different than to be ineffective and be just like everybody else. Remember the, uh, two weeks ago I gave this the story of that retired missionary. I don't know what country he went to, but he was recounting after his, he finally had retired from the mission field. And he's looking back and he's saying, we made a grave mistake early on. Remember, he said, we, went to the, we, we voted, the mission team voted in this foreign land. Are we going to preach the gospel right off the bat? We're going to probably face persecution, possibly even bloodshed. Or are we going to build schools, educate the young people, and hopefully when they grow up, they'll reach their people for the Lord. They voted on that strategy. They voted on we're going to build schools. We're going to take our time and build schools and educate this young generation. He said that the gospel never was turned loose. The way he put it, the gospel even at the time he retired, was still bound up in that country. It doesn't mean that nobody gets saved, but it wasn't God's way. And, and the, the, the point is that we're to preach the Word. It's real simple for us. Does that mean you never build a school in a foreign land to educate people in, in a Christian? No, it's not saying that. They were a mission team. And they voted, what do you think we should do? Let's build schools. It makes sense. But that's carnal reasoning. That's carnal reasoning because the Lord's already told us how to reach the lost. It's not for us to decide how do we reach the lost people. In that foreign country, a hundred years ago, a hundred years from now, if the Lord tarries in, in Baton Rouge, wherever it is, whenever it is, it's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The cross. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Not unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. And so, here at Cross and Methods, right? Bring it all to the Lord. Bring it all to the cross. The cross has to be in our preaching. It has to be in our methods as well. And so uh, the same minister uh, goes on to say that surely our half-hearted and calculated love for the Lord Jesus is the shame of the church and the laughing stock of hell. When everything's, everything's organized to death, everything has to fit in this mold in this committee and it's calculated if you know what I'm saying we're, 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 we can't take this bigger risk I'm not saying we're to be foolish I'm saying if God's leading us who would have ever stepped out and been the first martyr if everything was real calculated and say no this could be dangerous I can say this much but if I go here they're going to pick up stones to stone me but it's through the blood of the the saints and the apostles that the church spread. Amen. Stephen preached 
And when they picked up stones to stone him, he kept preaching. He could have said, you know, I really apologize for that last little sentence I said I went too far. <laughs> that was just, I should have thought this out better. No, he was being led by the Spirit. He was, had been to the cross. He was crucified with Christ. He was effective. Saul of Tarsus, young Saul of Tarsus was there. He was a witness to that. You know that had, that had a profound effect upon that man's life. Later, when the Lord met him on the road to Damascus and said, why are you persecuting you know, uh, me? And he had been partaker of those that stoned Stephen, the man of God. My point is that we can't be, we need to be wise. We need to be led by the Spirit, but we can't just be calculated in everything. We might not ever bought this building if we just looked at the checkbook. And you know what I'm saying? There's times where we just knew we're supposed to get that building. That's the one. God's going to provide. Well, what about that? We don't know what the utility is going to be. We don't know what the insurance is going to be. We don't know how much it's going to cost us to, to build a platform and remodel everything. We just don't really know. Uh, let's wait till we know all that first. Well, we still wouldn't be here, would we? You know, am I saying be risky and just take a chance? No, I don't think it was taking a chance. We prayed. We felt the Lord led us to this. And He is more than provided, y'all. He's more than provided for us to be here. That's just an example. We just have to really be led by the Lord, y'all. And I'm not going to be too much longer, but uh, this is where our methods and all, organization, it can be good. You can have a good method and good organization, but let it be sanctified. Let it be under the authority of Christ. Let it be under the authority of the Holy Spirit's leading. Let it be bathed in prayer. Now, everything we do has got to be bathed in prayer. And I always say, it doesn't mean that just before we're going to go preach in a prison or nursing home, that we pray a whole lot. We need to do that too. But if you live in prayer all the time, then you're ready. You're instant, in season, out of season. You're prepared for what God has for you and we're led by the Spirit. We're being led by the Spirit. Uh, I was talking to a man in the health club yesterday, and or day before yesterday, and I, he's older than me. I've talked to him over the years about the Lord, and he lost his dad to cancer a few years ago, then his sister to cancer last year. He's had surgeries, and anyway, I, I talked to him all the time, and he had a half a million dollar camp down on the coast. And he looked, I saw him two days ago, he just really looked down. I said, man, what's, what's wrong, buddy? What's going on? He goes, lost my camp, six feet of water, 180 mile an hour wind gust, $500,000 camp, gone. Gone. Thousand, $25,000 know, $25, worth of fishing gear, two boats. I think he got one of them out of there. He's just down. And I, and, I, and I said, man, I'm sorry to hear that and so forth. And we talked a little bit. And then bump, we bump back into each other later. And he says, you think God's trying to get our attention? I said, I know he's trying to get our attention. Absolutely. He goes, well, what do you think he's trying to say? He's saying, surrender your life to him. He's saying these things don't last. And he's listening. He's getting teary out. He wasn't offended. It was, it was the time. And, and we're back in the locker room, you know, and he, 
And anyway, he's all bummed out. He only had $200,000 of insurance on a half a million dollar camp. And he lost it all down there. Anyway, and so I said, you know what? That camp wasn't going to last forever anyway, was it? It wasn't going to last forever. And I told him about my mom's house. I said, her house wasn't going to last forever. Only thing that lasts forever is the one that give our life to the Lord. And I said, the Lord's trying to tell us something. He's trying to tell you something. He goes, well, I prayed a lot during that hurricane week. I said, but have you surrendered your life to Him? Have you surrendered to Jesus your life? He goes, well, I'm sure not living like I'm supposed to. And all, you know, kind of. And I said, no, he, he wants your life surrendered to Him. He wants you to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. And he's like, thank you for telling me that. And he's all teary-eyed. I'm not saying he got saved at that moment, but that was a time, ordained time of God to hear. We need to be prayed up and prepared for those moments instead of just saying, sorry about your camp. Tough luck, buddy. I had a tree hit my fence, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, you need to be able to tell, enter into something about Jesus with them. Every opportunity we can. God's given us those opportunities. And I probably, I know I don't, no probably's about it, do that. I probably miss a lot of those opportunities that I wish I wouldn't miss. But I pray I don't miss too many more. Amen. I just want to close uh, with that thought, y'all, about let's, let's look at one more scripture real quickly. Um, Mark 8.35 and we'll close. We all know the passage. Don't be afraid to give everything to the Lord. Don't be afraid that if I give everything to Jesus, it's going to be risky. It's going to be scary. I'm living on the edge. It's called living by faith. It's called living by faith. It, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If we're living by faith, guess what? We're not going to be presumptuous. We're not going to jump off of cliffs just because we thought it was the right thing to do because we're walking closely with the Lord. He's going to say, don't drop off of that cliff. Come over here and this is what I want you to do. So it's not just taking a bunch of risky chances. It's, it, it is walking by faith, not by sight. And walking with the Lord and do what He's called us to do. Who, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. This is in all the Gospels. Mark 8.35 Whosoever will save his life, we try to guard it. We try to keep it. We try to make sure we got this much in our savings account. We try to, and don't want to give towards this because right now, you know, we, we just guard everything so guarded. Uh, I can't say this at work, I'll get in trouble. So we never will spend our lifetime and retire from that place and never tell anybody about Jesus. We always thought we were going to get around to it sometime. You know what I mean? We're just so guarded that that everything's got to be in our little comfortable mold and box. We need to walk with Jesus. It's exciting to walk with Jesus. Peter and John did not know they were going to raise a, uh, heal a lame man that day on the way, nor that they were going to lead 5,000 people to Christ that day at the Gate Beautiful. But they were prayed up. We don't have any silver gold, gold but we can give what we have. We have Jesus. We have the truth. We have the gospel. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And immediately, he took him by his hands and lifted up. It says immediately his ankle bones and feet received strength. And he went leaping around. He'd never walked in his life. 
a crowd gathers. They came running. I was talking to Dee, we were in the car the other day and reading that. I said, can you imagine actually to have been there and to seen that, the excitement, a crowd, the lame man over there, and they all go flying over there, bumping into each other, running up, and they're like, that's the one. I've seen him every day. Look at him jumping up and down. And then he preaches Christ to them, and 5,000 people say yes to the Lord. It's just exciting to walk with Jesus. It's exciting to walk with the Lord. But we know, I'll finish this scripture. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life, lose his, his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall find it. Do we believe God or do we not believe God? He says, lose it for his sake. He says, give it to me, not 99% of it, all of it. Give me all of your finances. That means you have to bring it all to church. Give it to the Lord, though. Give me all of your time. Give me all your days, all the rest of your days. Give me your children. Give me your home. Give me your, your car. Give it to me, and, and you're going to find your life. You're going to find what I have for you. You cannot outgive God. My mother in law used to always say it, and she was right. You cannot outgive God. The more you give, the more you're blessed back when you do it by faith, walking with the Lord. Y'all stand with me close. He's not going to be uh, singing at the altar tonight, but you know, it's just 8 o'clock. Now, take, take just a moment and let's get at these altars and pray. It's just for a moment. Ask the Lord to fill us. Ask the Lord to forgive us. Ask the Lord to strengthen us. God, I've been hedging, I've been guarding too closely, I've been reserving and holding back. And I want to give you everything. doesn't mean He's going to take everything from you. But you can give it to Him by faith and, and know what it means to walk with Jesus. It's the only way to live, y'all. If, if I'm not going to live that way, I don't want to live any Christian way. Just go out in the world and eat, drink, and be merry. But if I'm going to live for God, I want to live for God. I want to live for Him all the way. It's exciting. Amen? Father, we praise You tonight, God. Help us, Lord, to lose our lives for Your sake in the Gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.